Hello, hello, and welcome to another week, another episode of So Into That, the podcast where I get to chat with really cool people from across the world about the things that we are into right now. Now, sometimes I chat with others, sometimes I just chat with myself, and this is another solo episode. I have only done one other solo episode so far. I talked about kind of my career and how I got to where I am and what I'm doing today on that one. Um, And I really enjoyed it. It was so fun. I love having a new guest each week. It's so cool and exciting. I live in Carmel Valley, California, a really small town. Before that, I lived in San Diego, Palo Alto. So I've never been in like a creator hub, like New York City or even San Francisco a little bit, but like New York or LA are like these hubs where like all the creators live. And so all the brands do events there and they all get to know each other and they go out to lunch and they like get to kind of be coworkers in many ways and kind of like bounce ideas off of each other. And I've just never known other creators. I've just never known a lot of other people in this same job as I am. And so it's been really a very exciting and like great for my business to understand what other people are doing with their businesses. It's just been a great all over thing getting to meet and have these conversations every week with people from across the world, across the country. It's been very fun. And I have like formed some awesome new friendships and gotten to chat with a lot of people. But today is a solo episode. So let's get right into it. The thing that I am so into is huge. It is something that I've been working on for years. Actually, I've been working on this since 2019. In 2019, a fresh new mom, Caroline, living down in Carmel by the Sea. For the first time in my life, I found myself not wanting to cook. Cooking has always been something that I loved and was like a stress reliever for me. And suddenly I had a six-month-old kid. I was trying to get work done. I didn't have proper childcare. And cooking made me really anxious and stressed out and like didn't feel fun or exciting anymore. And after struggling with this for several months, I sort of just dumbed down the recipes that I was used to cooking, started cooking much more simple food, still really big flavors and exciting food, but just much more simple. And once I started cooking that way, doing a lot of like hacks and tricks to make things cook quicker, like very non-chefy, but very like pro busy person tricks, I realized, hey, I'm kind of good at this. And I wrote a cookbook proposal for a book called What to Cook When You Don't Feel Like Cooking. And that was either 20, yeah, 2019, because Mattis was born. It was late 2019. I talked about this on the last podcast episode, but I pitched that out to several publishers and no one bit. I wasn't really active on Instagram at the time. I didn't really have like a name for myself in the food world. So no publisher wanted it. I got really frustrated and I just kind of gave up on the idea until COVID started and I started really focusing on my brand and like building up my own Instagram presence, my own internet presence. And I launched What to Cook When You Don't Feel Like Cooking, the exact same concept as a Substack newsletter, a subscription newsletter. It grew and grew and grew and has just this life of its own now because of you guys. I have never done a dime of like paid advertising for What to Cook When You Don't Feel Like Cooking. And it's 
I had like such imposter syndrome even saying this out loud still, but it's the number one food and drink newsletter on all of Substack, including some like very big names in the food world because of you guys, your passion for it, your love of it, your support and dedication to it. Like there are hundreds of you who every single Sunday when you get the recipe, it is cooked within, it's cooked by lunchtime. For many of you. And then if it's not cooked by dinner, you'll like tag me on Monday and be like, oh, finally got to the recipe. I'm like, girl, I sent it yesterday. You're good. It's become just this like life of its own community. It's the coolest and most validating and most exciting thing in the entire world. And because of your passion and dedication for what to cook, the newsletter, um, I, I got a cookbook deal and wrote an actual cookbook. The, what I tried to do in 2019 and couldn't, I it is now out there and it is available for pre-sale today. If you are not familiar with like the book world, pre-sale is – so it comes out on August 13th. Um, I cannot freaking wait. More to come on book tour events and me coming to find you guys and see you where you live. Uh, more to come on that later, but August 13th is when it actually comes out. But today, right now, you can go to Amazon.com and search what to cook when you don't feel like cooking or, you know, Barnes & Nobles or absolutely anywhere. Search what to cook when you don't feel like cooking and you – or it'll be in the show notes, obviously, also. Search it and it's available for presale. And presale is really important because it basically gives – the publishers and all of the booksellers, so Barnes & Noble, all your favorite local bookstores, it gives them an idea of like excitement for the book. And we want there to be a lot of excitement for this book. Basically, it's like it gives the book like momentum. Um, you know, you can then go to like, I don't know, the Today Show since I'm, you know, would love to be on the Today Show to share this book. You can go to the Today Show and say, like, this many people have pre-ordered it. Like, it's a big deal. So it's it's up. It's available for pre-order. It's, oh, here it is. It's beside me. Da, da, da. I'll be posting it on Instagram today also, but there she is if you're listening and not watching the video. I just showed it up onto the screen. The book is organized. The chapters are organized by the amount of time that the recipe takes, which to our knowledge is the first cookbook we've ever seen that does this. So that's something I'm really excited about. The chapters are 15 minutes. I think they're all ish. Yeah, I think they say ish. 15-ish, 30-ish, 45-ish, hour-ish, and then like longer things. So things you can throw in the slow cooker, things you can throw in the oven, like a pork butt for six hours longer, but they require like five minutes of, you know, actual prep time. Um, and then there's a very short dessert chapter. All of these recipes are really low prep, you know, as little chopping as possible, as little like fussy prep as possible. And then just oven time, sticking it in the oven, sticking it in a pot, whatever it is. It's going to be good, you guys. I feel so honored that I had the chance to do this. And I just feel incredibly lucky that I have this community of people who support my work and uh, allowed me to do this. So let's uh, blow it out and go on and put your pre-sales in. Can I say I'm excited one more time? But that's it. So that's the thing that I'm so into right now. Cookbook is officially available for pre-sale. We are like working on the book tour. It's all happening. So so again, just thank you all for supporting me in that. I'm I'm so pumped. Um, okay, the next thing we have to discuss, moving on from talking about me, we have to discuss 
the show One Day on Netflix. Um, This is important. We need to discuss this immediately. It's based off of a book. You may have read the book. There was then an Anne Hathaway movie, apparently, that came out like 10 years ago. That's apparently also really amazing. I'm going to watch it because apparently I'm a masochist. This show, it's like a 12 or 13 episode limited series, aka one season only. It's all out on Netflix. No, you don't have to wait for next week. My favorite thing. I love when they just release it all at once. So Leo Leo Woodall is in it, the guy from White Lotus. He's the nephew of the gays who like is sent to seduce Portia to like so they can kill um the main character who we all love. I can't remember her name. He's the main character. He's kind of sky slimy in the White Lotus. So you have to like delete your memory bank about that. He's this like wonderful, but like misguided. He's just young. Basically, he meets a girl on his last day at university. They have this like great epic night together, but it's just like the wrong timing for love. So they become friends and it chronicles their friendship every every year on I think it's July 15th. We get like caught back up on where they are in their friendship and in their love. Basically, they're like two people who are like supposed to be in love, but aren't in the right phase of their life for it. They're, he's not open to it one year. She's not open to it the next year. And it just kind of chronicles like they are so passionate and love each other so much, but it's just like never the right timing. I want you to watch it. It's really heartbreaking and amazing and like witty banter and lots of sad and lots of very happy things. I just haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And I realize that it's because... <laughs> so George and I, if you've followed me for any amount of time, you know that we have been dating since my freshman year at UNC. We met. He was a junior at UNC. I was a freshman. And we met my freshman year. And I was like, oh, this is the person that I'm supposed to marry. 100%. Like, I knew that. He knew that. George is a really, like, principled and disciplined person. And he has been since he was, like, 10 years old. I am not that. Like, I am much more – he's type A. I'm type Z. I moved to New York after graduation. He was in San Diego. I moved to New York to start like an advertising career. I wasn't, I was 21. He was like going to be deploying to Afghanistan. It didn't make sense for me to move to San Diego. I don't even think he like invited me. Like we were just too young. We were too young to like make that step then. And I moved to New York and basically proceeded to, for, I don't know, two years, like act like a total idiot and break up with him like every other week. And I think that the reason that this the show one day is so like, I don't know, I can't stop thinking about it is because I am sort of like Leo or uh, not Leo. His name in the show is Dexter. I'm sort of the Dexter and he's like a shit shithead in the like in the show, like in, in many of the years. And then you realize that he's not a shithead. He's a great person. He just, you know, was was not he was young. I am the Dexter and George is the Emma, the like principled, disciplined, like got their shit together person just kind of waiting for the other to like catch up in maturity. And I hate thinking about the fact that I ever like hurt my husband, like who I like fucking adore and I'm obsessed with. I hate thinking about hurting him by breaking up with him and doing all that. But I think, I don't know, the show was like a mirror to me in kind of a way. Like I, I was too young to meet the love of my life. I wasn't ready to get married at age 18. I wasn't ready to marry the person who I met at age age 18. He, you know, 
we could get into specifics, but like his career was insane. He was in SEAL training. We like never got to talk. So it was like I had this like boyfriend who actually wasn't available to be a boyfriend at all. And I was too immature. I was 20, 21 to be like, all right, just, you know, wait a year and then like his schedule won't be so crazy. And so I would break up with him and then I'd be so depressed and I'd get back together with him. The last, oh, George is going to be like, you told that story, but yeah, I'm going to. The last time we ever broke up. So I was in New York. He was in San Diego. And like I said, I would break up with him and I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Like, let's get back together. Right after my birthday, I don't know, maybe I just turned 21 or something. I broke up with him. I called him. I had just been to San Diego. We had this like great trip. I got back to New York and it was just long distance is hard. And like he would only be able to call me like one time and I'd be like out to dinner with friends, whatever. I can make all the excuses in the world, but it was really hard. And I was 21 and immature is the, is the, is the summation of what I could tell you. And so we break up again, or I'm like, you know, I don't know if I can do this right now, whatever. I bring up my bullshit again. And George is like, I, I can't do this again. Like you're fucking with my life. If you break up with me again, it's the last time we ever talk. It is the last time I will ever see you. Like, I just need you to know that if you need to break up with me, fine. But I need you to know it is actually over. You can't keep me on a string like this. And I was like, terrified. I was like, shit. Cause up until this point, like I hate to even say it, but like he had allowed me to be this immature person and like break up, get back together, break up, get back together. And I was like, okay, like if that's, you know, I guess that's what we have to do then. Like that sucks. We broke up and I proceeded to have like the most, I guess like for two weeks I was probably happy or whatever, happy as, as, as happy as I could be. And then I basically realized my like the tragedy of my errors and what a mistake I made and proceeded to just be like the most depressed human being alive for the rest of the summer. Early August there. So George has now graduated. He's a SEAL. I have no idea where he is. We haven't spoken in two months. There was a really tragic helicopter crash in Afghanistan. And I want to say upwards of 15, maybe even 20 SEALs and medics and, you know, SEAL support were killed. And it was all over the news. And I hadn't seen the news yet. I got a call from George at like six in the morning, New York time. So 9am San Diego time. I picked up. I Again, we haven't talked in two months. I pick up and he's like, hey, I, you know, I don't know if you care, but I felt like I needed to let you know that I'm okay. I'm safe and I'm okay. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he was like, you'll see it on the news this morning. There was a really big accident. Um, I, you know, you didn't know if I was deployed yet. And I just felt like I owed it to you to let you know that I was okay. And I sort of took this as like, oh my God, he misses me too. He, you know, wants me in his life too. And so I'm like, oh my God, okay, how are you? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, nope, that's it. I just wanted to do the, do you the courtesy of letting you know, bye. And he like hangs up and I'm like, fuck, like this is my, like, maybe this is my end. So I call him back that afternoon. I'm like, Hey, just checking on you. And he's like, Caroline, just to reiterate, that was not me opening the door. The door is shut. I just wanted to let you know out of a courtesy for you that I'm okay. And he like hangs up. I'm still 21, 22 years old at this point. And something about seeing the worst that could happen um, 
a lot of the reason for our breakups, like, yes, I was young and immature and living in New York City and never could talk to my boyfriend. That was a part of it. But it was also like, I don't really want this life, this like military life. SEAL training is so intense and it gave me a look at what it would be like to be a SEAL wife, never getting to communicate, like them gone on holidays. I sort of like got a taste of that. And I was like, I just don't know if I can do this. And something about getting that call, it was like the worst case scenario, the embodiment of everything that I had been scared of and ended the relationship over. Um, Getting that call and him saying, you know, these 20 people were killed, realizing that that was the worst case scenario and that I still wanted to be with him, even if that was the outcome of our relationship, like flipped a switch in me. I was like, wait, he could die. Sure, he could die. But like, I want to be his person for as long as possible. This was, by the way, like 2012 SEALs in Afghanistan. Like, it was a very dangerous and uncertain time. I feel like I should give that background. Uh, SEALs don't die a lot in combat, and they were dying a lot in combat in Afghanistan at this time. Um, and so I had a lot of anxiety about that. And that was like a huge part of why I ended the relationship and just realizing, okay, even if that's the worst case scenario, even if he dies, like I want to be his person while he's alive and us to have as much time as possible together, truly like flipped this switch in me. And I was like, I have to get him back. So I try to call again. He just ignored he, I think he like blocked my number, maybe even. He was like, Caroline, this is not like I told you, it's over, it's over, it's over. So Luckily, so I'm in New York at this time. He's in San Diego. Luckily, our mothers had stayed in contact. I think they were both like hoping we would get back together too. And my mom, I go home to North Carolina uh, to visit my family like the next week. And my mom like looks at me very kind of like cautiously over dinner because they've been like terrified to bring up George. She's like, I don't know if you want to know this, but George is in Charlotte, which is an hour from Winston where I was. And my ears like perk up and this is dinner. She's telling me this over dinner and I like go to bed and I don't go to bed. I go to my room and I hatch this plan on how to get George to get back together with me. And I knew that he was, I think he was leaving Charlotte like the next night or my mom wasn't sure. So I wake up at like 530 in the morning, get in, go to, go into my parents' room and I'm like, I'm going to Charlotte. Can I borrow one of your cars? And my mom like flies out of bed. She's like, you're what? Why are you going to Charlotte? And I was like, I'm going to beg George to get back together with me. And I remember my parents just being like, like applauding, like getting up out of bed, like making me coffee, like making sure my outfit looked good and like getting me on the road to go beg George to get back together with me. So I drive to Charlotte. I don't call him. Again, I think he may have blocked my number, but that seems dramatic. But in my head, like, I wasn't unable to call him. I guess I just, like, thought he would hang up on me. I didn't want to ruin the chance. So I get to Charlotte. I pull up to his parents' house, and his mom is out front. And his mom loves him as much as any mother should love their son. And so I'm obviously, like, fuck. I'm terrified. I see Marsha, and I'm like, she's going to hate me. I don't have, like, I'm not strong enough. I don't have the confidence to do this. So I circle the block a couple times. And I see her go back into the house. I'm like, friggin' <laughs> surveillance crew. <laughs> surveillance on Wickersham Drive in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I see her go back into the house and I'm too afraid to knock. I totally wuss out. So I call him. 
and it's like seven in the morning, seven thirty in the morning. So he doesn't pick up because he's on California time. <laughs> so I like sit outside for another hour. I had a flight back to New York, by the way, at like noon out of Greensboro, two hours away. So I like sit a block away. I call him again an hour later and he picks up. And I was like, hi. He's like, hello. I was like, hi, um, can you please come outside? And he comes outside. He's like, what? And he comes outside. I was like, I'm down the block part. He walks up to me and I was so scared. Like the last time we had talked, he was like, stop fucking calling me. And so he walks up to my car and I'm terrified. I'm like, he's not even going to talk to me. And he just has this like huge smile on his face seeing me. Like it was like he was trying not to smile, but he like couldn't help but smile because he was like so happy to see me. And so I get this like huge smile on my face. I got out of the car. We just like stand in the street hugging for like 20 seconds. And he's finally like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I know that I already like took, I'm a cat with nine lives and I already, you know, used my last live up, but I have never been more sure that I made a mistake and that you're the person for me and that no matter what comes, I want to be that person for you. I was like, I will go to city hall in Charlotte, North Carolina with you. I want to marry you. I want to, I'll marry you now. I'll marry you today or I'll marry you in a year. I don't care when it is, but like, I am a hundred percent positive that you're my person and that I really screwed up. Please take me back. We basically like sat on a park bench and talked for like an hour and he would like go back and forth between like hugging me and kissing me and then being like, no, fuck you. Like, no, I'm not doing this. I was like, okay, okay. And so I kind of got in the car and he was like to go back. I had to catch this flight and he was like, I'll think about it. Like, I'll let you know in the next couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, okay. He was like, don't expect to hear from me. Like I need some time. And I was like, okay. And I got like 30 minutes down the road and he called me and he was like, you better not fuck this up. I was like, okay, like I'll be there next weekend. So from then on, he was moved. He moved to Norfolk. I was in New York. I came down every single weekend. He deployed to Afghanistan for a long, for like nine months. And then another little short, like two month one. So he was gone a lot, but anytime he was in Norfolk, I was in Norfolk and we got engaged like six months later. He asked me properly with a ring like six months later and we got married at City Hall in New York like a week later. If you have seen the show one day, you can kind of see the parallels and like why it's sort of sticking with me and making me think of our own love story and our own kind of like how we met meeting at a time that like wasn't the perfect time in our lives to be meeting by any means. And then, you know, sticking it out, um, getting through my shithead era of when I was just like too young and immature to deal with the realities of what marrying a Navy SEAL meant and also being like 21 and in New York city and having fun and the juxtaposition of like this very serious military life with what I was living and experiencing what my other like 21 year old friends were experiencing. Um, I don't know, a lot of parallels there. And so there's the story of the last time George and I ever broke up. It was quite a doozy. Okay. I want to talk about the year of me. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me talking about this. It's just like a joke term that I've termed to talk about the fact that I am taking 2024 and making it about me. I have been either pregnant or breastfeeding since 2018, May of 2018. I've either been pregnant or breastfeeding. I stopped breastfeeding cash 
seven months ago or something. But I, you know, he's still like a freaking baby. Like he's still very needy, very much like once mom, 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 mom. I, if you're, if you've listened to all of my podcasts, you know that I would kill for four or even five kids. And my husband is very resolutely stuck on three. So I do think that unless something huge changes in his world, we, this is our last baby. I can't even talk about that without crying. So let's not talk about that. So let's focus on the positive, which is that I am really able to focus on myself. Obviously, I have three kids and a husband. Like I can focus on myself a lot less than a person who does not have three kids and a husband can. But I am sort of turning the attention back in on myself, on my own health, on my own mental health, on being as strong like physically and mentally as I want to be. Um, and so there's sort of like three pillars that I've been thinking about. Uh, I am not a journaling person. If you listen to last week's episode with Dr. Aditi Narukar, which if you haven't, you have to. I've implemented so many of the tips on how to be just like a less stressed out person already. And honestly, I've like never felt better. So there are like three, but anyway, on that episode, I talked about how I'm not like a journaling person. I find it like a little hokey, but I'm trying to just be like a more intentional person about how I live my life, what I say yes to, what I say no to. And so I have jotted down some thoughts. Yes, in a journal. So the year of me, um, there are three sort of like pillars, if you will. I'm doing things to make my life just kind of overall less stressful, more fun, and more fulfilling. So let's start with the less stressful part because I feel like I'm doing the best at that part, honestly. Um, again, if you listen to Dr. Aditi Nurekar's episode with me last week, she gave us like many science-backed tips on how to reduce stress. I have a pretty good grasp on like what I can do to make myself feel better and like have the best mental health. But there are a few of these things that I had never implemented. So the number one thing, again, I'm a journaler now, is the gratitude journal. I've only been doing it. I'm on day seven. And basically, Dr. Aditi Naruka, I don't know why I'm saying her full name every time. Aditi, she told me to call her Aditi. Aditi said that there is like science, there is science that backs up that writing down five things in your life you are grateful for, that you have a lot of gratitude for, rewires your brain to focus on the positive and not on the negative. So an example from my life, I've talked on many episodes about just kind of like internet trolls and like the negative impact that they can have on a creator's day. So I'll get like 200 messages from people being like, my kids love this. Like you've made my life so much better you know, easier through your recipes, tons of like nice, kind things. And then I'll get one person who's like, this person's a, you know, writing on a video of mine. This person's a terrible mom. Don't listen to anything she said. Her kids are neglected, like some weird shit. And it'll throw off my whole day. And I'm like, <gasps> and my whole focus becomes on that one negative thing that like some sad Sally in a basement in Idaho, like, typed on her computer. Like why should that ever impact me at all? So the gratitude journal thing like rewires your brain to focus on the positive, which makes you a less stressed person. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a fun practice. I will never be like a full freehand journaler. I don't see it in my future. So I bullet out five things that I'm grateful for and it's been really nice. Um, the phone away from me. So I'm in my office. My bedroom is right next door just beside my computer is like a little shelf, closed shelf situation that has a charger in it. I have moved my charging dock that charges my headphones, my 
um, phone and my Apple Watch, I've moved the charging dock here. So when I go to get in bed, which I'm trying to get in bed by 930, that was another one of her tips. I'm getting better. She wants me asleep. All of us. She wants us to sleep by 10 p.m. Um, when I get in bed at hopefully 930, everything goes here and then I go get in the bed. The phone never comes into the bed with me. This is not only incredible to stop the doom scrolling at nighttime. I have been, I mean, I always read a lot of books, but I've been reading even more books and not getting like sidetracked by some stupid little Instagram story. It's not only stopped the doom scrolling at night. My mornings are the most pleasant outcome of this. The kids usually come in and wake us up and I just hang out with them and chat as opposed to like my brain was just so wired to open my phone and like start answering emails, responding to DMs, responding to texts immediately. And that's not what I need to do. I need to like hang out with my kids for an hour before they go off to school. I don't even get my phone out of the closet thing until they're off to school usually. So that has been a lovely thing. Number three was inching closer to a 10 p.m. bedtime. I'm really trying. We all know that the better rested you are, the less stressed out you are. And then my last thing on the like make life less stressful pillar is that I have finally gotten the right amount of childcare that I actually need. I think I really value my, myself and my work and what I put out into the world, but I have tried for the past five years to have as little childcare as humanly possible while still not flying off the handles. And what's that, what that's looked like is like every time the baby like starts napping at a different time, I move the nanny's hours around so that like, okay, only come, you know, from noon to five because the baby sleeps, you know, really well from nine to 12 or whatever. And then the baby doesn't nap that day. So then I'm like stuck with the baby and then I have a huge deadline. I'm really stressed out. I need full-time help with my kids right now. And it bums me out because I want to spend time with them. But if, the baby is here, Cash, the boys, big boys are at school. So if Cash is here with a babysitter, I at any time can, he's my baby. Like I can go grab him for an hour. We can go to the park. And yeah, like it sucks because you're paying a nanny, but you hire a nanny who is also willing to help cook dinner, help with the laundry, cleaning, all of those things. And that's the type of help that we always hire. And so it isn't you you have to just make it like work for you. So I've always, I've only had like five hours of childcare a day for the past five years. And I finally have hired full-time help and it is making my life a lot less stressful. And I hang out with cash all day long. I feel like when I only had five hours of help a day, I was like hiding completely. And like, I would not see him at all during those five hours. Cause I was like, I got to bang out this work. And now that I have eight hours of help a day, I really like, I pop in, I have lunch with him. We like hang out throughout the day as I can in my schedule. Um, valuing this job that I've created as a full-time real career, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with hiring the proper amount of childcare. And so I have finally done both of those things and it is making my life less stressful. Uh, the second pillar of the year of me is having more fun. And I actually am doing a very good job at this one. I am hiking and playing tennis regularly again. I kind of, you guys know, I, I hike to the top of my hill. We live like on a mountainside. So I hike to the top of this hill every single day. It's like a three mile round trip takes 50 minutes thing, but I have been making a conscious effort. I live in Carmel Valley, freaking California. Like the hiking here is insane. It's beautiful. Being in nature actually makes me like 
so much happier. I love like discovering new trails. I love like, oh my God, when I end up on a trail that goes over like this bridge and then two miles in over a stream, I'm like, I feel like I'm in the bridge to Terabathia. Like I'm so happy and feel like I just love it. So I've been making a conscious effort to go on new hikes um, at least once a week. So I do my, my hill hike just here every day, but then going on like a cool new hike also at least once a week. Sometimes I go with friends. Sometimes if I'm in the middle of a really good book, I just go by myself. But it has been really fun, whether I'm alone or with a friend, to get out and like do more exciting hikes. I'm also playing tennis again. When I was like six months pregnant with cash, I had to stop because I had such bad whatever those pains are in your pelvis. I like couldn't run. I've been playing tennis again every single Tuesday with a huge group of friends. So that's been really nice. Oh, I've I read a ton. I've never been in a book club because I've always been like, oh, I don't have the time. Like since I've been an adult in this new town, I've always had kids. I'm like, I don't have time. Like I want to hang out with George when he gets off work. Like I'm too, I'm too tired. Basically it's all, it all hinges on me just being too tired. And I'm not too tired anymore because I'm not pregnant and breastfeeding and they don't have a newborn. So I'm joining a book club. We have our first, you know, whatever it's called. I think that the biggest thing that got put on the back burner, I've been very focused on my career during the past five years as I've been raising children at the same time. The biggest thing that got put on the back burner is my local friendships. I have an awesome group of friends here who I love, but I see them, have in the past seen them pretty rarely just because busy, got work, got the kids. And then like trying to hang out with my husband at any point. And then my really close friends, like my best, best friends are all in San Francisco. And so I kind of like spend all my time and energy like on the weekends. I've been like very much a weekend warrior, like get all my work done so that I can go up to San Francisco and see friends or we can go on a trip together. And so part of the year of me is definitely like having more fun experiences with these people in this community who I really love and just haven't gotten to see as much because of work and kids. The third pillar of the year of me is making my work more fulfilling and meaningful. So doing less of the stuff that I don't really enjoy about this job and doing more of the stuff that I really do enjoy. So an example of that is I'm doing a lot less like one-off social media partnerships. So just doing a lot less of the like minutia of like little like influencer deals and focusing more on the big picture of like what I want to put out into the world. A big opportunity for that will be the cookbook tour. My favorite part of this job is connecting with you guys and the whole point of what to cook when you don't feel like cooking and the whole point of my sharing anything about my life on Instagram is to try to help make your lives more fun and more easy. That's kind of like what makes me excited. So I'm really hoping to create some book tour experiences that are not just like me sitting at a table while you guys like cycle through and I sign your books. I want to do like dinner events and maybe even like some overnight events, retreaty style. Like I have very big visions for what the book tour could be and how we can like actually connect on a deeper level. So that's a good example of that. Doing less of the like little stuff that takes away my attention and doing more like intentional, um, deeper relationship building things with this community. Another example of something I've done this year that's like more fulfilling and meaningful while perhaps not being like the biggest money-making opportunity is the newborn dad or newborn partner guide that I did here on the podcast and that PDF I created to like go along with it. 
I've heard from women in the hospital or 36 weeks pregnant or two weeks postpartum who have been like, thank you. That guide like completely changed my husband's life. He feels so prepared. He like, he's Googling how to swaddle a baby. He's like been practicing on a baby, on a baby doll, how to swaddle a baby and how to change a diaper. That is so cool to me. If I can make 50 people's postpartum experience better and less filled with anxiety than mine was, that's amazing. That's been my lowest performing podcast episode, like on the numbers, on the charts. It has the lowest number of downloads. And I knew I anticipated that because it's niche. Like not all of you are pregnant or ever going to be, or maybe you've already had your kids. You're done with that. So like you saw it and you're like, this isn't for me. But I wanted to create an asset that could live on and be passed along and like forwarded to people and texted to people for years and years and years to come. And hearing from so many women and even some of the dads themselves, how meaningful that's been has been so cool and exciting and makes this job feel so much more fun. So that's the year of me. I just, I did not intentionally set out with those three pillars at the top of 2024. I very much set out to do more things for myself. So hiking and tennis were the first two things that I was like, okay, every week you're going to make an intentional effort. You're going to play tennis every single Tuesday at 9am. You're going to go on like one new hike a week. Like those are sort of intentional things. And then as I've placed intention on those, it has led me to these like other sort of three pillars of um, what a year really focused on myself can look like. I had gotten to a place where I was like, oh, I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with the kids to play tennis once a week for an hour. Like, no, no one is too busy to play tennis once an hour. You can do that. And then once you carve out that time for yourself and you see how good it makes you feel to socialize with other people in the same, you know, in the same place of life as you are and to move your body in a new way, then you find yourself carving out more and more ways to do it because it felt so good. So start with one thing, commit to one hike a week, one tennis lesson a week, one book club a month, whatever it is. And uh, let's all have a really great year. My IRL LOL of the week is actually a like, it was something that made us laugh really hard like a year ago. And then me and my friends remembered it. And like all almost peed our pants just thinking about it. Okay. So cash, as if you will recall, was an insane puker. Cash is my 16 month old or so baby. And until he turned one, he vomited up everything he ate. Like it was outrageous. I was at all times covered in puke. The whole house was covered in puke. He puked on the kids, the dog, everyone. He puked everywhere. And I had my friends over for lunch one day. My friend Jillian was first trimester pregnant and I hand her cash. I'm like tossing the salad. So I'm like, oh, we hold cash. She's like, of course. She grabs cash. I start tossing the salad. He vomits all over her and she's first trimester pregnant. So she's super nauseous and she starts gagging, like hysterically gagging, like Like, she can't stop. And she's laughing because she knows it's absurd that she can't stop gagging, but that doesn't mean that she can stop gagging. So she's like dying, laughing, 
gagging, holding the baby out, you know, 10 feet away with like straight zombie arms. And he's just like vomit, like dribbled out, dribbling down his face onto the floor. And every time he pukes again a little bit, she would like start gagging again. And we like, at first we like can't really understand what's happening because she's laughing. We like don't see the puke. And she's like, does someone take this baby? I'm so sorry. And she keeps going. She keeps just like laughing and gagging and keeps just saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And we... It was like the funniest thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. I was crying on the floor laughing about this at the time. Finally, like Leslie or Megan, one of my other friends, grabs cash. So they grab cash. Anyway, it was like the it was the funniest thing that's like ever happened to us. I mean, we were howling, laughing at her. It, it, it was just absolutely hysterical. And we just remembered this last week and we all had like another absolute giggle fit over it like jillian was like that was an out-of-body experience like i was sweating i like had needed that baby away from me and none of you understood what i was saying because i couldn't stop gagging okay so that's my irl lol of the week nothing like a little first trimester nausea to make you giggle the thing that i'm out on is doing your freaking taxes okay i am not an organized human I got QuickBooks. I don't know how to use it. I didn't do it properly. George is, George, like, as mentioned on at the top of this podcast, George is an incredibly organized, disciplined person. And so he, the amount of frustration that George feels with me every single tax season, and yet, like, I don't change it. So we basically, like, suffer through two days of him absolutely thinking that I'm like the scum of the earth because I cannot fucking organize my taxes. And then we forget about it. And then I like don't change my systems. So I'm so out on freaking tax season as a, what am I? Am I an LLC? Whatever I am as an, as a, uh, the amount of 1099s, different income sources. It is so complicated. Receipts I have to write off. Like, oh, I hate, I loathe it. All of, it makes every single year. I'm like, I'm just going to go get a freaking job as a consultant. Like, fuck this. It's not worth it. And then it's two days of pain and it's fine. So anyway, I hired a bookkeeper already. George was like fully ready to ask for a divorce. He was like, fuck this. Like, I'm not your bookkeeper. Figure your shit out. So I hired a bookkeeper. Next year is going to be better. Next year is going to be great. So I'm not going to. It's going to be fine. Okay. What to cook me don't feel like cooking. I've been back on the bagged salad thing. I sort of like burnt out on bagged salads for a bit. I was eating them like every single day of the summer while I was in the throes of cookbook editing. I like didn't feel like cooking while I was doing all that. I was just so burnt out on cooking. And so I was just eating bagged salad with turkey like every single meal of the day. Got really burnt out. I'm back on it. So getting like the Southwest um, bag salad kit that's either Taylor Farms or Trader Joe's has a really good one. The dill pickle salad kit. Again, um, I've been making a ton of Caesar salads, just making this really Caesar e- easy Caesar dressing with like mayonnaise, lemon juice, anchovies, Parmesan. Just tossing it with romaine, chicken, some pepitas. Been back on like the big salad grind and uh, that's what I've been cooking when I don't feel like cooking. All right, that's it for today. We uh, covered a lot of ground. The cookbook's coming. Please pre-order. It'll be in the show notes, the link to it, or you can go to my 
website, carolinechambers.com, to find all of the information about that. You now know about George's and my final breakup. Uh, so thank goodness for that. That was the longest tangent that I've ever been on, but it's an important piece of our history. So you're all welcome. George, sorry for divulging the secrets of our relationship. <laughs> and and we got to talk about the year of me. I'll be honest. I've had a great 2024 so far. I think that when you have three kids, full-time job, husband, you're just like life is going to be full of ups and downs and sometimes are really stressful and anxiety provoking and sometimes are like really fun. And 2024 has been really fun, I think, because I've just been focusing on myself and how to get the most out of this year and out of my life. Uh, just kind of refocusing on myself after five years of putting all my energy on my kids. Again, I'm a mom of three, so the majority of my focus is always going to be taken up by them. But just carving out this like little sliver of time for myself and to focus on what I'm passionate about, what I'm interested in, what I want to do has been huge for like my mental health, making me just feel happier as a wife, mother, all of the things. I just think it's so important not to feel guilty about taking time for yourself because when you do take that time for yourself, you are able to give so much more of yourself a better, happier, less stressed, less anxious, cooler, more enjoyable, more fun human to your kids, to your spouse, to the important people in your life. So less guilt for taking time for ourselves because it actually allows us to give so much more to others if we do carve out that little sliver of time and energy and focus it all inwards on ourselves. All right, that's it. We discussed the book. We discussed the last time I ever broke up with George, which was really a discussion of the show One Day on Netflix. And we talked about the year of me and the three pillars of the year of me and how I am focusing inwards a little bit this year. Have a great week and I'll see you next Wednesday.